podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to a Media Matters special for Anfield Index Pro. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm your normal host, Dave Davis, to coming to you from a pretty sunny Edinburgh at the moment. I don't know how long that'll last, but regardless of me, I'm most pleased to say we've managed to get a special guest on today's show. So, the athletic writer, well-known, renowned and respected and he dare I even say media personality because he's popped up on Sky a few times recently. So James Pierce is with us. James, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Very good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very well. Is it? Is this a will be a regular thing on Sky? I did want to ask that, or different sources or places. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been on there a few times now. So yeah, always always nice to go on and uh, be uh, be a part of their Sunday morning coverage. So yeah, it's, it makes a nice change because last season. They only seemed to ask me on when, um, you know, Liverpool were absolutely, you know, uh, <laughs> in that d- dreadful rut. And it was, it was, it, I seemed to be always on there talking about uh, how on earth Klopp was going to be able to try and dig them out of the hole that they were in. So, um, yeah, quite refreshing to be able to be on there at the minute talking about so much positivity and a great start to the season. Yeah, I bet. And and ladies and gents, that is absolutely what we're going to look through. We're going to na- naturally ask James about the Wolves game, the start of the season, the upcoming Europa game against Lass. Talk a bit behind the scenes as well is what's happening at, at Anfield and the, the boardroom antics, shall we say. And then we might even get James to make a few predictions if we can for the coming season. So, James, I, I did want to start with the, the Wolves game that way because... The early kickoff. That naturally, I know you were there at the game as well. I mean, Christ, a million things happened in that game. Is that is that literally, if someone asked you to define a football term, the ultimate definition of a tale of two halves? There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It certainly was, wasn't it? It was. Uh, it was crazy. Yeah, I, I I actually had a weekend off um, and had had a couple of tickets in the away end to take my son along, and he, he's. He's been to quite a few home games. Well, that was his first first away, and uh, wow. yeah, talk about uh, Taylor contrasting emotions because he was like like probably the rest of the three thousand in that away, and you're kind of like scratching your head in that first half, thinking, "How on earth, you know, how on earth are Liverpool you know, plumbing these depths?" Because it yeah. was, you know, you were thinking to yourself, you know, it was as bad as anything going back to kind of that 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 dreadful runner last season and um, just, yeah, just, it just looked lifeless and pedestrian and so slow in possession, so vulnerable, so many sloppy mistakes, yeah. no penetration at all going forward. And um, 
yeah, there was a lot of lot of frustration around us, understandably so, um, amidst the the travelling cop because I don't think I don't think anyone could quite believe it was so flat. Um, yeah. And then, as you said, you know what a ridiculous contrast the second half was because um, I think you've got to give Klopp a lot of credit for the the changes he made. Um, the substitutions impacted the game. The change of formation certainly helped Liverpool, and they just yeah. slowly turned the screw to the point where, in in the end, you know they they actually won it with a little something to spare. True. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, won't use the word comfortable because the first forty five definitely wasn't. But yeah, yeah. three. Three points is three points, as they say in that. And it was a temporary top of the table. I mean, seeing a lot of things on, obviously, social media and different accounts that the game changes, like you said, second half, the change in formation, Diaz on for McAllister. And obviously, Nunes comes on at parts. The, the subs seem to be having a almost a, a great impact this season as well. But for, for that game specifically, because after the international break, the way it was, a few injuries... Who would you actually say sort of impressed or really stood out for you in that backdrop at all? Yeah, I, I think there were there were a number of real big performances on the day. I, th- I thought you you can't get away from the impact of the subs in terms of you know changing changing the flow of the game. Thought Diaz, Nunes, and Elliot were were all excellent in terms of doing exactly what Klopp will have asked of them before before they came on. Um, and then there were others who who pulled it together after such a difficult first half. And I think probably Dominic Zaboslai was the epitome of that because, yeah. um, you know, he, he didn't struggle quite to the extent of Alexis McAllister, um, but he wasn't, he wasn't far off in terms of just mm. being a, a pale shadow of his normal self, um, you know, making the kind of errors we haven't seen from him so far. Um, and then I, th- I thought it worked to treat, you know, having him slightly deeper alongside Curtis Jones yeah, and, and I, I, it just felt to me like yeah, Zaboz like really pulled the strings in that second half, dictated the game, you know, kept Liverpool on the front foot. Um, you know, it was important as well that Gomez and Matip pulled themselves together because I thought you know those two really struggled first half, much more solid, much more calm, more composed. Yeah. Um, and you know, Salah, you know, you almost overlook sometimes his brilliance in terms of there are very few players in world football that could have played the weighted pass that he played for Robertson for the second goal. Um, you know, I thought, you know, leadership-wise, Robertson was it was really important second half, not just his goal, but I think he kind of epitomised the kind of greater energy and intensity and urgency to Liverpool's game on a day when obviously there was no Van Dijk and no Alexander-Arnold. And, you know, I think you'd have to reserve some special praise as well for Gerald Kwanzaa because that was a very, very difficult environment to come into to make your full Premier League debut when, you know, there were so many below par performances around him in the first half. I thought he was, you know, he, he was let down really, I think, by the, the senior pros yeah. in the first half. Yet, you know, he, he was by far and away, you know, not the weak link. He was, he was, he was very composed and commanding and then, and then grew into it really second half. So I've been really impressed by him. You know, uh, you know, it, it, of course it's far too soon to say whether, it was the right or the wrong decision not to buy a centre half this summer. Mm. But what what is without a sh- you know you you can't doubt is the fact that he is he, he has benefited hugely from that decision not to go and recruit a centre back because you know Klopp has essentially gone right. Well, you are the the fifth choice centre back, and yeah. 
circumstances. He's been thrown in a lot sooner than anyone would have expected. But, you know, sometimes that's that's what young players need, isn't it? You think back to even when Trent came through, you know, it, was it Nathaniel Klein getting injured, wasn't it? And suddenly Trent gets True. thrown in and lights the place up. And, I'm, you know, I'm not suggesting Gerald Kwanzaa is, is, is quite on that level, but... um but yeah, you, you you never know as a young player, do you, when the opportunities are going to come along? And uh, I've been massively impressed by him. Like I know the academy staff have had high hopes for him for years and there was the feeling that he really kicked on from that uh, loan spell out of Bristol Rovers in the second half of last season. Um, and it's exciting to see, you know, to, to um, I'm looking forward to seeing where, where the kind of journey takes him from here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're, you're Bob on there because especially that, that first half, not only was he probably the the best defender, he probably played a good few passes over the top as well. Looked very, looked very calm and composed on the ball as well. Almost sometimes inviting Huang or Kuna Kuna onto him, but very calm and composed. I mean, I, I always wonder because sometimes there can be there's an excitement, absolutely like you say, but I'm always just conscious as well. There's a there's a danger because it is his first few games in Premier League football, and he's had a like say a few minutes now with. The Villa, the Newcastle game, this Wolves game in different circumstances. But he is fifth choice, and that's not sort of digging him out at all. But you know, there has to be a, a realistic, and that's what I was probably leaning towards. What do you think should be the realistic expectation of him this season for us? Yeah, well, I think it's you know, I think when when obviously you know Van Dyke now comes back into the team. If if not against uh, you know Lask, then it will be it will be against West Ham, and obviously Canate is now fit again. So he you know he's, yeah. it's it, you know he's, he's not going to suddenly become a mainstay of the team. That's that's clear. But you know the, the Europa League especially should be a fantastic environment for him to to gain more experience and and to be to be ready as and when you know when he's needed in the Premier League because I think you know he he must look at it and think well. You know, you know, why can't I try and cl- climb above one or two of those other players that are, yeah. that are vying for those centre back slots? And 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 as you said, you know, I think one of the most impressive things about him so far has been his temperament because you know he he does seem very very calm and and fearless. And for someone who's not really ever found himself in this position um, and played so little senior football. Um, he's yeah he seems to have a real kind of wise wise head on his shoulders and I know you know Ian Foster who was his coach for England during 19s and under 20s speaks incredibly highly of him in terms of not just his technical ability but that kind of work ethic and temperament and willingness to learn and um yeah I think I think we've seen little glimpses of that so far but you don't want to burden him with too much pressure because he's he is still so young especially in centre-back terms yeah, absolutely. Especially with, with centre backs, they do traditionally tend to to peak later as they build that experience and start to to read the game. But yeah, all the all the signs promising there. And probably a final question on the Wolves game because again, a hot debate in our Discord uh, and different opinions, all valid. Man of the match, who would you have given it to? There's a lot of contenders in a good way for especially the second half. Who would you have uh, anointed that way? Yeah, um, do you know what? Despite Salah having two, effectively three assists, when it would have been a hat trick assist, yeah. if, if Harvey Elliott's goal hadn't gone down as an as an OG, um, 
I think I probably would just have it have to give it to Zabozlai on just just in terms of like being there and watching him in that second half. I I just thought he was so important to Liverpool turning the screw. Um, so yeah, I I think for me Zabozlai would just edge it. Yeah, I think deservedly so. In maybe the scariest thing, he seems the best at six, eight, ten, or anywhere in the midfield. It does look like Liverpool have got a potential superstar on their hands there. Brilliant. So yeah, three three points against Wolves, all that mattered. The early kickoff, and probably within that that first half, there was a, as you mentioned, the feeling of here we go again, back to last season. And speaking of going back, you'll probably know where I am going with this, but back to almost the the press conference before, because naturally there was chat around. From yourself, I thought it was a great question around the the twelve thirty, based on results and recent history. I thought it was a a great question, but naturally, as you will know, the the response from Jurgen Klopp drew a few eyes, and I've no doubt you had approximately eighty four million messages coming through to you around that different questions. So, and rather than sort of phrase it in any different way, what would be your honest take on that now? Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch. And those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I think something maybe something was lost a bit in, in how I asked it because my, 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 point, my point actually was that you know, you played six one zero at twelve thirty last season. Yeah. Um. You, you know, and and do you put that down to just you know the the lack of recovery before playing at that time, or are there other factors at work? Because you know, it, the, the the reality is Liverpool had a full week to prepare for Bournemouth away. Um, True. When on the back of thrashing Manchester United and produce, yeah. you know that that woeful performance down there you know Fulham away on the opening weekend at half 12 a full week after the community shield you know I think Chelsea at home was another 12 30 when I think a a much changed Liverpool team had played at Wolves in the FA on the Tuesday so again you know you you can't blame that on the quick turnaround so then and I was more getting the fact that obviously I know when you speak to some players as well they say they don't enjoy the 12 30s because you know, it's difficult to really get yourself up for yeah. games at that time. It affects sleep patterns. You're having bowls of pasta and chicken at nine o'clock in the morning. And so there are other issues there. And also when you look at the the the, the data, you know, Liverpool's record in 12-30 games is worse than any other of the main kickoff slots. You know, whether yeah. you're looking at kind of, you know, the Saturday 5.30s or the the Sunday 2 o'clock or 4.30 or Monday night or whatever, you know, the, the Saturday lunchtime slot under clock has traditionally been where they've picked up the fewest points per game. So that was that was yeah. kind of what I was alluding to was, is it just recovery or are there other issues in terms of preparing a team to play at that time? But I think I think 
I think Jurgen obviously thought I meant, is that the only issue for this weekend? And and obviously, you know, I think we know that that, that presses his buttons because as he pointed out, you know, when you've got a situation where, you know, Alexis McAllister and three other South American players have, have played, yeah. you know, what, you know, thousands and thousands of miles away on the Wednesday. And then, you know, he, when, when he, when he was speaking to us at the press conference, it was, what was it? 24 hours before the game at Molyneux. And he still yeah. hadn't seen his South American quartet. So um, yeah, I think where Klopp has definitely got good reason to be annoyed is the fact that Liverpool keep getting picked for that slot after international breaks, I think, because mm. as I wrote in the piece I did on Friday, that, you know, that was the 12th time directly after an international break, they've had the 12th Thursday Saturday kickoff. And then, you know, I think Tottenham and Chelsea are next on the list with six. So, you know, twice as many as anyone else. And of course, that, that figure is only going to get bigger because Liverpool have got the 12th Thursday slot after the next international break in October yeah. when they when they host Everton. So, um, so yeah, I think um, I wasn't quite expecting that, that response, but uh, <laughs> yeah. And as we know, anything like that, just it leashes the tro- unleashes the trolls in terms of the torrent of social media abuse, but, um, but no, it, uh, it's all fine. No, uh, no issues. Good stuff. Good. To end. This, I think in a, a good way, we're all pleased that, I remember when he said about the, the pasta, then it takes us back to that Wayne Rooney quote, doesn't he? Or a tweet from all that time ago about choking pasta down at 9am. So that was prevalent. <laughs> and yeah, very fair points as well. I mean, from the, the start to the season, I mean, if you look at it on paper now, especially compared to last season, it's a positive goal difference. 13 points out of 15, unbeaten, three three comeback wins as well. And two with, you know, late goals, especially like the circumstances, the Wolves, the Newcastle game. Is that, I know we all make predictions, so to speak, or walk through things in our mind. Was that better than you you thought it would be at this stage? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think I'd be lying if I said I expected Liverpool to be in this position, um, you know, after after five matches. Because I think, I think it was a real step into the unknown back at the start of the season before going down to to Chelsea because you know it, that that game just feels like such a long time ago now. But you think yeah. you know off the back of missing out on Caicedo and Lavia, um, you know still hadn't signed a, a defensive midfielder. You know you, you're trying to bed in you know a couple of a couple of new faces. You're thinking you know big question mark in terms of some of the big personalities that had left the squad over the summer, you know, yeah. what kind of void has that left? Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I didn't really know what to expect really. I thought, you know, I, I thought Liverpool would, would get back into the top four this season um, before a ball was kicked, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think, I, th- I thought they would grow into it. I didn't, I didn't think we, they would, they would be, you know, so impressive in terms of points returned so far. And, I think one of the yeah. biggest positives is the fact, you know, what was it? You know, nine of those points won from losing positions, and and that felt like something that we, Liverpool just didn't have for big chunks of last season, in terms of you know, you know, you know it was you know that that kind of mentality monsters tag of yeah you know, of twenty one twenty two and you know that that never know they're beaten and keep on you know fighting back and turning around lost causes and you know it it felt that like didn't that didn't really happen. You know they, that that had been lost, and I think the fact that they've they've managed to rekindle that and find that resilience with such a new 
you know, it, it, you know, a, a new dynamic, I'd say, in terms of like the dressing room and in terms of the hierarchy. Um, you know, I, I think that really does bode well because, you know, as Klopp said himself after the game on Saturday, they're not stable. Um, you know, you, you only, you know, the, the games have been clear for all to see when you, you know, you think of Newcastle away was a bit of a, you know, a, a crazy game, especially with yeah. the Van Dyke red card and, you know, in even Bournemouth, you know, that disastrous start could even have been yeah. worse, than, worse than it was in terms of how poor they were for 10, 15 minutes. Chelsea away could easily have lost that game. But, you know, the fact that they're digging in and finding a way is is a real positive because I think they're only going to get better. The longer they this group work together and new faces bed in and, and get used to the, what Klopp wants from them tactically, um, you know, I, I think that stability will grow in the team. So the fact that you can still, you know, carve out wins when, um, you know, everything is, is still relatively new and people are bedding in, you know, that, that is a big yeah. positive. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with the, the midfield, the fact that, you know, Zabozlai playing different roles, McAllister in the six, which I don't think many expected at the start of the season as well. You know, the, the endo scenario that coming in, not starting yet. So it will be really interesting to see, you know, how, how that does continue in that regard. And you did mention there around mentality monsters and the fact that, you know, we are looking in that regard to show that character, show that desire. One thing I really wanted to, to pick up on, and I know you've written about this as well in The Athletic about external speakers coming in it almost feels like Jurgen Klopp and, it, and his team around him have done almost a, a full reset and I'm sure you you've heard it you said that phrase that we keep hearing Liverpool 2.0 in that regard is that do you think a big thing for Jurgen Klopp in that regard that it's a reset he wants to go again so to speak yeah definitely um there was one standout quote for me his press conference on Friday when he talked about um you know, how he'd been at the club nearly eight years, but he said, you know, this was year one for this team because, you know, he he certainly sees it as a completely kind of fresh start. You know, he's he's talked about, you know, this team having to kind of write their own history and, and, and you know, it, it kind of get that own dynamic going because because there have been so many changes when, you know, when you think of, you know, the the, the influence and, you know, people like Henderson and and Fabino yeah. and Milner and Firmino. You know, it's. I think I I added it all up. I mean, you know, I think it was about sixteen hundred, more than sixteen hundred appearances for Liverpool in terms of players combined who who moved on at the end of last season. So it's it is it has been a big big change. Um, yeah. And and I think that's the exciting thing for Klopp as well because I think you know he. He didn't really get this opportunity, did he? Anywhere else he's been in terms of you know being able to to build a second great team, and that's what keeps him coming back for more. You know the the motivation of of, of trying to do it again with a completely new look new look team. Um, you know, won virtually everything there was to win the first time around. You know, can can he do it again? Can he put Liverpool back at the top? Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's why I think, you know, this summer was, was so big and it's, and it, it was, it was interesting writing that piece last week because it kind of, you remind, it just reminded me just how much had happened in such a short period of time because it, Crazy. it it's, yeah, especially with, you know, no one, no one expected the, the Saudi dynamic 
to be quite as influential as it was in terms of you know losing your your captain and your holding midfielder to Saudi clubs after pre-season already started. Obviously, the the battle to keep hold of Mohamed Salah as well, and you know as I documented in that, you know there was strong interest in people like you know Diaz and Thiago and Allison as well. Um, so and, and as we mentioned before, you know the the issues that Liverpool had recruitment-wise in terms of missing out on Caicedo and Lavia. Um, but it, it feels like they've they've ended up in a really good place. And sometimes sometimes you just need a little bit of good fortune as well. As much as we talk about kind of, you know, the, the, you know, the, the having expertise in all the right departments, you know, it's, mm. it's it, sometimes it's just the way things fall. And, you know, if, if Mason Mount, if the price for him, you know, it, you know, it's, I hadn't reached what Liverpool regarded as a bit of a crazy level in terms of the God, yeah. and the wages. You know, Mason Mount could have ended up at Liverpool and, you know, they wouldn't have signed Dominic Zaboslai. And, you know, I don't think you'd find a Liverpool player on planet Earth who would who would rather have Mason Mount than, than Zaboslai. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, there's, and you know, you, you think of the impact that McAllister has had as well. And obviously Ryan Gravenberch and Wataro Endo, you know, still getting their feet under the table, um, mm. but there, yeah, there is there is a lot there is a lot to admire, and you know that, and that's why it is exciting. You know, what can they go and do? You know, with you know Liverpool reloaded, isn't it? Is the way that uh, that Klopp has described it, and and that's why I think he was you know big this summer on bringing in a couple of out outside speakers. You know, I know they you know Jan Fredino, um, who was an Olympic gold medalist in triathlon and a three time. Winner of the Ironman World Championship, he he went to their German training camp and talked about, you know, having pushing your body to the absolute limits and the mental wow. resilience required to to keep going. And because you know, I, I think Klopp, as we know, he does he does like these kind of just looking outside of football for kind of marginal gains and yeah. any any you know that extra little one percent you might you might get from somewhere. I think people will remember. I think it was before the title winning season he brought in the uh, you know a German surfer who you know talked oh, yeah. about his breathing techniques underwater. Yeah. So it's it was all about coping with pressure and and that kind of thing. So um yeah, and then there was another guy, you know, a British businessman called Kevin Roberts, who was CEO for a long time of the advertising agency Sachi and Sachi and um, he now runs his own kind of leadership consultancy, and I know he was he was at the AXA training center a few weeks ago, um, speaking to all the different heads of departments and you know with coaches and people from medical and sports science, um, and that was all about trying to make sure that they create the best possible working environment um, that everyone you know feels as if there's very clear communication. You know, everyone feels like they're appreciated and and able to work to the best of their ability because. You know, when when you don't have the biggest pot of cash, you know Liverpool don't mm. they can't they, they don't they don't blow opponents out of the water in terms of spending. You've you've got to be clever and you've got to look for advantages where you can find them. And um, yeah, I think there's it. I think on that front, certainly, you know, there's uh, there's been some some shrewd moves already this season. Yeah, absolutely, and all all the noises seem to be positive that are coming out. And yeah, in a in an alternate universe, there's Liverpool fans with their head in their hands because Mason Mount's on the right side instead of Zabozlai. But yeah, <laughs> all positive for this summer. And it's interesting because you mentioned a few players there like Endo, 
Gravenberch and, and obviously there's others because the next game up is last, the Thursday night Europa League. I say the, the earlier kickoff, but it's just quarter to, to six in that regard. There's, there seems to be almost two schools of thought with this, James, as in almost school one is let's play strong, let's get it done, let's get them off and then, you know, West Ham on Sunday, give them an hour and they should get it done. The other school of thought almost leans to, no, the Europa League is almost a, a secondary competition. We're going well in the Premier League as it is. This is the one where you should be seeing people who aren't getting minutes there starting and getting game time. And it might even be a bit of column A and a bit of column B, so to speak. But which sort of school would you say you'd be leaning towards personally? Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, I I, I would definitely be in favour of a bit, a bit, but somewhere in between, really. And I think that's more than likely the way that Klopp goes. I don't I don't really see the need to go massively strong. Um and, and I don't you know I don't think you need to treat it as it like a like a Premier League game and, and yeah. you know and essentially you know win the first three or four in the group and then and then ease off. I I, I think with the calibre of opposition Liverpool have been drawn against with the greatest respect to them, you can play a mix of senior pros who who need a game with some really talented young players that we all want to see, you know, given opportunities. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned a few there, didn't you? You know, you think Ryan Gravenberch, surely, you know, this this is tailor-made for him to make yeah. his first start. Endo definitely needs a game. You know, Harvey Elliott obviously only came off the bench at the weekend. Um, you know, probably Stefan Besetic has been, you know, back fit for a few weeks now. Simakas, you'd imagine pretty much nailed on to play left back. Um, you know, really interested to see if if Ben Doak is given a decent chance. You know, that that to me would make sense. I don't I don't yeah. really see, you know, I'm sure as much as Mohamed Salah will want to play because he wants he'll want to score and um, records, I'd, yeah. I'd definitely be telling Mohamed Salah, you know, keep your passport where it is and um and you can you can just put your feet up and and get ready for West Ham. I'd rather have him firing all cylinders for West Ham on Sunday. And um, so so yeah, I think I think it will be a mixed bag because you know I think you know one one other thing I think which really does benefit Liverpool in terms of the group stage is you know when I before that draw was made, I was looking at it and thinking, oh my god, you know it could be Israel, it could be you know yeah Moldover, it could be you know there, there could have been so much traveling, yeah. To end up with only Austria, Belgium, and France is is an absolute result, really. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think it will be a mixed bag. I think I think it would be silly to just 
play your strongest 11 because I think it makes sense to hold players back, hold at least three or four back of your main hitters for Sunday. But, you know, I wouldn't go too far the other way and just play a bunch of kids because, you know, you don't want to risk it backfiring. Well, yeah, which makes absolute sense. And we've got to ask about Ben Doakes. I know you've been up with our Edinburgh Supporters Club. You know, you came up candy for the, the charity dinner the other year and naturally... Another Scottish player in Bendo. There's a lot of natural passion, excitement. I mean, from what you, you're hearing personally, it's sort of the the academy from Kirby, everything around Bendo. It, again, it's trying not to put almost too much pressure on a young player, but it's natural there's excitement because of his style. Do you think he's got an actual chance to maybe break into the first team picture? I, I can't really ask that because I know he's done that already, but be a real option as a sixth forward. Do you think that would be a realistic target for the end of the season for him? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I think you you always have to try and caveat it with you don't want to pile too much pressure on on a young player. And it is watching him play, it is hard to believe he's still only 17. Um, but he is that good. You can't, can't go away from that. I don't think I've ever watched Ben Doak play and not come away excited and thinking, wow, you know, he, he could be anything. You know, he he does remind me a little bit of a of a young Wayne Rooney in terms of like yeah. his, his physicality and his fearlessness. And um, you know, he he doesn't look like a kid playing a man's game. He you know, he looks well and truly suited to it and um and he's in the best possible place to continue his development. So yeah, I've I've, I've thought for quite a while that the Europa League you know, would be a fantastic stage for him this season. And I, I hope we see him out on that right-hand side um, on on Thursday evening. I'll, I'll be over in Austria for it. And yeah, looking forward to it because, um, yeah, they've got, they've got such massive hopes for Ben. You know, he's, you know, they, they love him around the, the first team squad. You know, the senior players are really taken to him. You know, the, the staff full of praise for the way he is in terms of, you know, he wants to learn, he wants to get better really good mindset. Um, he's got everything. So you just, you just want to, you just hope and pray that he, he does go on and fulfill his potential because, you know, we've probably seen it too often, haven't we, in terms of, you know, getting so excited about a 17-year-old, yeah. 18-year-old and and sometimes, you know, out of nowhere, you know, sometimes for absolutely no fault of their own, you know, you think of sometimes injuries happen, you know, misfortune, you know, and, and it it doesn't work out, but, Wow, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think I, I would be absolutely amazed if if Ben Doak isn't a, a superstar in the years to come because he, I just think, you know, as long as no major hurdles are thrown in this path, because he's he's got everything, he's got absolutely everything, and um, yeah, I went, you know, I went down to with my with my son to watch the under twenty ones Merseyside derby, you know, a, a few weeks back, and you know, he's. You, know, he's, you just you watch him and you you just think you know he's he's an absolute joy he gets gets supporters off their seats and and is an absolute nightmare to defend against. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, there's no harm whatsoever, especially in this competition of Mo Salah keeping his passport at home and Ben don't get in the minutes. That will be exciting for everyone. No two ways about it. And. I'll keep this bit brief because I probably suspect, and I could be wrong, but now that the transfer window sort of shut, there was a bit of a sigh of relief from a lot of the journalists that, you know, stories aren't going to sort of come across the woodwork every five seconds, as it were. But naturally, sort of off the pitch and almost behind the scenes, that 
a lot of the talk this summer has naturally been around George Schmacker and his role. And one of the things that that he's talked about, I think it's important to say that, you know, he's mentioned that his role as a, a transfer consultant, as he's called it in a, a few interviews for Liverpool. And also he's specifically talked about, I think he referred to it as a, a break option, so to speak, that he does have that longer term contract with Liverpool, but they could sit down and, as he put it, look each other in the eyes and have an honest discussion this summer. I suppose nothing that we're hearing yet, but obviously from your insights, are you hearing of any talk of, might that discussion happen? Is that going to continue long term? Because naturally that's going to be the next speculation, isn't it? Off the pitch, as it were. Yeah, well, my understanding is what he effectively signed was a was a one-year contract earlier on in the summer, with, but on the basis that all parties are pretty relaxed that, you know, it, 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 if it's, you know, it, it, there's the possibility, as he said himself, that they'd sit down and review it. And, you know, if he was needed to stay around for the full year, he would do. Um, it, you know, otherwise, not a problem. You know, this is a guy that was, you know, tempted out of retirement, essentially, because yeah. it was such a fantastic opportunity that, that he saw it to, to take over from Julian Ward. But I think also everyone knows that it's not, it's not the long-term option. It was Liverpool couldn't find, couldn't get exactly who they wanted. So they went down the road of a kind of an interim um, yeah. appointment to, to to buy them some time. So, um, so yeah, I, I guess it's just a case of whether he does stay around until next summer. Um, you know, I can't imagine January being particularly eventful, although, you, you know, you never can never be too sure. Um, so, um, but yeah, the, you know, the, when I speak to people, you know, people that have dealt with him over the summer, you know, they're very complimentary in terms of um, the way he's, he's gone about his, his business. I mean, obviously three of the four signings that, that came in came from Bundesliga clubs, didn't they? And although obviously True. Klopp, Klopp obviously has a big part to to play in that. And I think, you know, in one of those interviews you refer to, you know, Schmadke described himself as almost like an assistant to Klopp because that, that yeah. is very much the dynamic in terms of, you know, it's it's it, you know Klopp Klopp essentially drives the you know the transfer policy, and then you know Schmadka is the man responsible to to go and um, to try and negotiate the deals. So I mean that, that was why I you know I you know obviously social media is not a particularly good barometer of you know fan opinion at the best of times, but you know yeah. I, I did think it was a bit unfair. There were there were moments in the summer when you know suddenly Schmadka was coming in for stick for you know, for deals not happening. And you're like, you know, let's, let's be real here. Like, you know, Klopp, Klopp calls the shots in terms of mm. who's being pursued. And obviously Mike Gordon holds the purse strings in terms of FSG sanctioning financial decisions. So, you know, if you're the sporting director in that kind of setup, you, you know, it's your job is to try and negotiate, you know, within, you know, the the confines of, of, of what you've been told to work in. You don't have... You know, he doesn't have carte blanche to just go and, <laughs> yeah. go and offer whatever it takes to get a particular player. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, the the fact that in the end, Liverpool, could, I think, could look back on the window and go, actually, well, faced with all those issues, going back to, you know, when you think back to April, when, you know, they dropped out of the race for Jude Bellingham and, you know, yeah. there was all the angst off the back of that. And, you know, at that point, no one had any idea that, you know, that we, we're going to lose Henderson and Fabinho as well. Um, you know, I think the midfield rebuild in the end went pretty well. You keep hold of Salah, as we said, you know, the probably the one big question mark was are they gonna pay the price for not 
bringing in another centre half. Yeah. Um, which again, I think you know the the jury's still out on that one. Far too soon to say whether whether Matip and Gomez can stay fit, stay consistent. Can Gerald Kwanzaa kick on as we hope he can do? Um, but but yeah, and Schmadke deserves you know kind of his section of praise as a part of that. But I think you know it shouldn't. It's in, in the context of you know the the parameters in which he has to work because also you know with with those deals you know that that did get done. You know you've got Dave Fallows as well and Barry Hunter, two mm. really experienced recruitment figures behind the scenes, and I think that helped Liverpool as well. The fact that yes, on the face of it, there's a lot of change. Um, with you know Schmadka being the third sporting director in a short period of time, yet you know the the structure below him is is pretty solid and secure in terms of um, the expertise they can call upon. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. And th- this might be a, a short answer for fairly understandably, but naturally our, our Discord and our subscribers have asked, asked me to ask you. The investment element, naturally all the talk's been around Manchester United for obvious reasons recently, but all investment talk around Liverpool seems to almost have gone quiet or cold. There's nothing really coming out. Is there any updates or is, it, is the club almost just being silent on that? Been very quiet, yeah, very, very quiet on that front. Um, yeah, something I am chasing, trying to establish where where it's at and whether you know the the, the last. Well, it's probably, well, it was yeah, probably before the before the the end of last season when I got anything resembling a last update in terms of you know. Wow. Then, it was, then it was very much a kind of um, yes. There's still discussions happening around a potential you know minority stake and minority investment in the club and and obviously the owners having considered you know coming up to a year ago wasn't it i think it was november time yeah considered, considered a full sale and 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 were open to to offers you know didn't get anything like the kind of amount that would have made them consider selling up and since then it's been out very much about whether they can find a minority partner but you know at, you know in keeping i guess with the fact that it's gone quiet was I was told, you know, it, it's not like they're desperate to to bring in mm. someone. It's it's got to be the right, the right people at, at the right price at the right time. And and clearly, you know, as we sit here at the minute, that those stars haven't aligned. But um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether that whether that does shift over the course of this season. 
Yeah, fingers crossed, absolutely. And he's one, and, and you might well not have, have any update on it, although unless you've got into the building trade, as far as I'm aware, but the Annie Road extension, is there any sort of more that's coming out of the club? Because naturally there's the speculation starts, doesn't it? As in, when's that going to be finished? The knock-on impact, people who go to the games, that type of thing. Any updates you've heard around that recently at all? No, only, only that... Um... You know, I think I think at the minute the club are pretty loath to put some kind of exact timescale on it because I think obviously they've been stung already, haven't they? In terms of you know, for a long time it, it was all bang on track for the start of the season. Then it was actually it's a fair amount behind. It's it's probably going to be October before it's fully open, and then you know, and then suddenly with with going into administration and everything else and having to find a new a new contractor to do the work, so. Um, yeah, I, I think certainly, you know, I, I was told that by kind of de- around December time, they would they would hope to be in a position where it is fully operational, that upper tier at some point in December. But mm. you know, whether it's, um, you know, that whether that is whether that proves to be 100 percent the case, I think um, probably too soon to say. But yeah, Liverpool at the minute are very much kind of like one of. It's you know they've they've obviously put out their time scale in terms of when they're hoping to to start yeah. to open that upper tier and um yeah they they're keeping their cards pretty close to their chest but yeah I know someone involved in the project said to me that that they would hope by some point in December it's fully operational. Good stuff, yeah, and it's it is interesting because it almost feels familiar deja vu after the main stand when that but that eventually got done on time so it's understandable why the club are not committing to a definitive time scale there brill good stuff thank you for answering those and the final round it, it leaves that we want we always do this for, for media matters early on in the season we'd love to get your predictions on a few things so i'll make this quite quite short because there's a few key things we want to ask i know you yeah. said before the season the top four is it still top four or has your optimism grown to title challenges outside? <laughs> Where do you sit in that regard? Um, yeah, it's grown a bit. I, th- I still, I, yeah, I've, I've still got a few doubts, I think in terms of, in terms of the title. Um, I, I, I think top three, top three would be, um, I'd, I'd, I'd say with a bit of confidence. Makes sense. And, a pot, a trophy on the wall being updated. Do you think there's destiny there? Yeah, I, I really fancy Liverpool to go all the way in the Europa League this season. Um, it's obviously the one, the one kind of honour that's that's eluded Klopp. And I think it's obviously the only trophy they would have competed for during his reign that they haven't got their hands on yet. So it would be it would be lovely to to think they could complete that set in the in Dublin come the end of the season. Yeah, Dublin just turned red would be incredible as well, especially for the Irish Reds. Yeah, fingers crossed on that. And this one's interesting because there's not been any sort of consensus. So Ben Boxack for Liverpool.com went Darwin Nunes. Neil Jones went Cody Gappo for Player of the Year. So almost we're playing blankety-blank here. James Pearce for Player of the Year goes... Zabozlai. Wow, Zabozlai. Interesting. Interesting. I, yeah, I absolutely love him. I I I think he's got everything. So it's um, yeah. Is I haven't been this this excited about a new Liverpool signing for a long time. Yeah, absolutely understandable. Strange, isn't it? Like like you said, how Mo Salah almost doesn't get mentioned, but there's a Bosley has been in un, unbelievable since the start of the season, and it may be that this name comes up because. 
we have maybe for in recent history the collection let's say that of forwards it, I can't remember a time we had five high quality senior forwards and even Ben Doak as a younger six option it feels the best collection yeah top scorer who would you be going with uh oh I'd, I'd still go Salah as top scorer yeah absolutely it, it, I'll ask you this now I won't ask you to fully commit to it because naturally the the starting lineups the favored do you when you look at the team sheets do you think is it always horses for courses or would you personally have a sort of strongest front three as it were uh yeah I think it has to be a horses for courses one really because I think as you said there's no there's no definitive pecking order um, which I think Klopp quite likes because I think he thinks, you know, it keeps opponents guessing a bit more. You know, I think he wanted to move away from the fact that for so long it was, we just knew, didn't we, that as long as people were fit, it would be, you know, Firmino, Mane, yeah. uh, Salah. And, and now and now he does have that variety depending on who you're, you're playing against. So, um, yeah, I, I you know, I, I think I, I really like, Nunes, I, I, you know, I, I just think there's so there's so much potential there, and yes, he's a bit of raw, and yes, he could be a bit erratic at times. But I, I, even last season, I thought, you know, it's just he just needs a bit of time, and I thought he got some pretty unfair stick last season. That I thought, you know, fifteen Definitely. goals, fifteen goals in all comps in a bang average team for most of the season. Um, was actually pretty respectable uh, when you think of you know new player not speaking the language, trying to get to grips with it. Um, you know the you know the issues he had with the red card and the injuries and adapting to what Klopp wanted from him tactically. So so yeah, I I, I would you know if if you were asking me what I'd like to see you know in terms of excitement, then I think it would probably be Diaz left, Nunes through the middle, Salah right, um, but. You know that's that's not that's a nice position to be in when you're bringing on mm. people of the caliber of Jutta and, and Gakpo off the bench. No doubts at all, and yeah, for for those reasons, the forward line, the midfield, the boss line, all those things that you mentioned, it does feel like this season just feels the complete 360. There's so many reasons to be positive. It's unreal at this stage, and all that really leads me to say is. James, thank you very much for your time. I know we've almost been through everything we could possibly think of to answer there. So thanks for your honesty and your candour there. It is much appreciated. No problem at all. Good chatting to you. Same to you. And that, ladies and gents, is another Media Matters for Anfield Index. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.